Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian Nor. This is episode 85, A Brief History of Sheriff Tiraspol. So it's always fun when worlds collide like this and you've got a story that has so many different angles and facets and and sides to it. In football, this happens a lot where society, politics, media, different things blend together to create some kind of interesting narrative. This one is too good to pass up. Because Sheriff FC, it ticks off all these boxes, geopolitics, geography, war, culture, business, sport, media, all of it. Now, you may have heard a lot of people in the media talk about how there's some unsavory and shady characters behind this club. Well, my opinion, so so do a lot of clubs. But what makes Sheriff different is where they are. And I I, want to get into this because there's so many more parts of why we should look at this and not just say, oh, I heard there's ex-KGB guys who founded it. That's shady. We shouldn't really like this club. that's, That's BS to me. So let's go and talk about what FC Sheriff is. Now, first, the first thing you have to understand is Tiraspol, the city in Moldova where this team is 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 based is in a region called Transnistria. Now Transnistria is interesting because it's a very narrow strip of land just on the west side of the Ukrainian border and just on the east side of the river Dniestri which runs a long way down the country so you have this it's just a l- nice long strip and because it's in a valley it that geographical setup of it makes it so able to separate itself in a way from Moldova and obviously it's neighbors Ukraine but for a long time there has been this separatist mentality in Transnistria towards Moldova now the present history of this region really dates back to just the 90s okay after the fall of the USSR the Pridnestrovian Moldovan Soviet Socialist Republic, pardon me on that, was established in Transnistria and the hopes were that it would remain part of the Soviet Union instead especially if Moldova decided to unite with Romania as a country or if Moldova decided to get its own independence which they did in 1991. Shortly after there was a military conflict that erupted between the Moldovan uh, military and this Transnistrian group. So once it's, that lasted for about three months, once a ceasefire was actually, a ceasefire agreement was reached, it was reached between Russia, Moldova, and Transnistria to stop the military conflict and just try to sort things out. The thing is that they never actually really sorted out the political status of Transnistria. And it has just remained kind of frozen in time since, which is really, really interesting. Uh, it's just, they've just been a country kind, they've been a, a country for the way the people see it, is that they are their own sort of country. And I'll explain why in a minute. But they've remained in limbo for a really long time. So when I say that they're a country, I mean, they have everything a country needs. They have government. They have parliament. They have a military. They have police. They have a postal system. They have their own ruble, their own currency, which is not even internationally recognized it's not available, it's not exchangeable anywhere else in the world, which is wild. Um, vehicle registration is also something that they have localized that they do. So uh, this is a very legit region, and they operate autonomously from the country of Moldova. Fascinating. 
I think when you look at this, this is not a rare case. There are a lot of regions in Eastern Europe where there are small ethnic groups that have, you know, they were scooped up by the Ottoman Empire way back when, and when that fell apart and things started to break apart, they were maybe a niche in a, in, in a, in a country and then maybe part of Romania or something, and then the Soviet Union takes over during the Second World War, and when they finally fall, there are a lot of countries that have been created since the fall of the Soviet Union. Remember, Yugoslavia was one country, now it no longer exists, and there's a bunch of different places that have been created out of it. Kosovo, the latest one that is still trying to get international recognition. Kosovo. I mean, I remember when Bill Clinton was bombing Kosovo back in the 90s, and still it's not internationally recognized. So imagine how many of these small regions, especially in Eastern Europe, exist where people, essentially, a lot of them, would want independence. I just find that to be fascinating, something we don't think about, especially in the Western world where all these borders and lines seem so solid, and it doesn't seem like there's any kind of change. So, look, because of the way this all happened, sheriff, the sheriff company, they were able to forge a really strong monopoly in the country and in, that re in the region, right? Uh, in their early years, the founders were Victor Guzan uh, and Ilya Kazmali. These were two former KGB Special Forces members, and they created a really good relationship with the Transnistrian government after the ceasefire, and it was led by Iktor Smirnov. Um, yeah, sort of like the vodka, right? Um, they supported government policies. Being a strong company, they, they were able to help the government in what they wanted. And in return, they actually got a lot of control of the customs division uh, that was headed by the son of Smirnov, Vladimir. And they gave sheriff reduced taxes and a lot of reduced import duties. What does that mean? Well, you can move things in and out of the country at a low price and probably be able to do it without a whole lot of eyes on you and regulation. What does that end up meaning? Well, probably a good amount of contraband is going to go running through that area. Uh, basically, this also just gave sheriff the pole position to just basically run everything in the country, right? Once you essentially control government and then also customs, I mean – you do you end up having a monopoly on goods and services in almost every single way, and it makes it almost indestructible, right? Something has to change for sheriff to not have the kind of power that they do. Now, when I talk about the power that sheriff have, listen to the things that they own. They have a chain of gas stations, supermarkets. They own a construction company, you know, a TV station, a publishing house. They have a Mercedes-Benz dealership. They have an advertising agency, a mobile phone network, Oh, and for the fun of it, they have a spirits factory, two bread factories, and of course, a football club. Now, that list of owned things to me, I mean, it just screams mafia, doesn't it? Right? Like you control all the pieces. I remember the New York mafia, the commission. These guys ran, they had everything. They had the trash business handled. They had the, all the con uh, the contractors handled. They owned cement businesses because at that time, so much building was being done that they were just making all the money from all the contracts being handed out by the city. So I incredible stuff. It's just, it just looks like what a mafia would be, right? Like what, how diverse they are in what they're doing. It, it really does look like they've got the whole thing on lock. Now they aren't the largest uh, company in that area, actually. The, the, only Moldova Steelworks is a larger company. 
And the reason why is because Moldova produces a lot of steel and it's a major backbone of the economy of the whole country. Also, they produce a lot in Transnistria, which is why Moldova Steelworks is probably the biggest, but Sheriff have their hands in absolutely everything. Um, they have such a such a grip on on such a diverse range of things that the influence, like I said, is massive. Um, they've and they've used all of these different assets that they have to increase control and power and influence over different things. I mean, for instance, if you have a TV station, a publishing house, a mobile phone network, um, and an ad agency, I'm pretty sure you can use those things to massively influence political campaigns. And they were able to do this. They were able to get some of their people into parliament, which then makes it even easier to just get things done that you want and maybe have eyes turned left or right when you're doing something maybe a little bit shady or something that would be considered illegal by the international community, like the EU, basically, or the U.S., if the U.S. decides they want to get involved in this, which you never know, of course. That's probably the one thing that they're hoping is that Russia stays fine with what they're doing and the U.S. never seems to have a problem. So, yeah, super well organized, just like a mafia, just like most corporate monopolies work. They, they, they get their hands in everything and they do a very good job of, of keeping the reins on it. Now, about 10 years ago in 2012, the relations between Sheriff and the government at that time started to, to sour a little bit. And some of the preferential treatment that the government had given them since the 90s was rolled back a bit. The thing is, they're already so well established that they're fine. Um, and so really their biggest risk is to fall out with the court of public opinion, right? The people, they just have to stay sort of in that area and hope that stay good with all their customers, the people who buy their bread and their spirits and go to their supermarkets and buy gas and have their mobile phones, all this stuff. If they can keep that running, they should be just fine. And they have a football team that is really good. So let's talk about the football team. They were established in 1996 and registered in the Moldovan B division as FC Tiras Tiraspol. Then in 97, Victor Gushan comes in from the Sheriff Company, right? one of the co-founders, and he refounded, rebranded it as FC Sheriff. Of course, name it after the company. Why not? So they were in the B division. They get promoted to the top division, so win that league title easily. And then once they got into the top division, they win their first league title in 2000, 2001, won 10 in a row, and have gobbled up Moldovan Super Cups, League Cups, and 19 of the last 21 league titles. So they completely dominate the league. Why? Simple. Money. They have more of it than the entire cash-strapped Moldovan League, and this is a private company that is rolling in it. Not only in legitimate money that they make, we also don't know because of how Transnistria is governed, where Moldovan authorities have no say on what's going on there, the Ukrainians and the Russians aren't involved either, they, they really run things on their own. And so it, it, it's, it makes it so that this team is so well-funded, they just destroy the Moldovan League every year, right? Incredible. I mean, it's also just qualifying for the Champions League qualification stages. This happens every year for them, right? And they've been in the Europa League group stage before because they've fallen in these qualification hurdles. Never had they made it through to the group stage until this year. And, you know, I mean... There's a 12,000 seat, 12,700 spectator, $200 million stadium that they have. And for a while now, it, there's been this desire to bring the Champions League into this ground. Because it's actually a beautiful stadium when you look at it. Um, really cool how 
nice it looks, even though how tight it is. It must create an amazing atmosphere. I would actually love to see a game there. That would be incredible. But the problem is that they dominated their league so easily for so long that once you get to the third round of the Champions League group stage uh, or of the Champions League qualifying stage or you're in the Europa League group stage, you need to be good. You need to be on point. And the Moldovan League is just not competitive enough to have really pushed them to be better. And so basically the model Sheriff had to try to make it to the Champions League was to get foreign players at a at a low, fair, modest price and be able to raise their stock enough by winning a league title and doing real well and then selling them on to clubs in the Russian Premier League. So a stepping stone for players that they're like, okay, cool, we'll go, we'll win a title in Moldova. If we do well, then a Russian Premier League club might take us. And then, you know, you're talking living in a maybe more uh, desirable place or making more money or whatever, right? So the club, I think, always felt like, well, good. We're a good little stepping stone. You know, we bring players in on the cheap. We sell them for a little bit more, but not much more. And so the club has pretty much just been run at a massive loss for a long time. They weren't really making big profits from the players they were buying. But they were also shifting off their foreign players a little too quickly. So they weren't able to actually keep players long enough to build a team that would actually go far. And this is why it never really worked. Now... A big change came for Sheriff when the Football Federation of Moldova re- just they rolled back and relaxed some of the regulations on how many homegrown players you are required to have in your team. It freed them up to basically go and scoop up way more foreign players and pack the squad with the most amount of talent that they could possibly recruit. The recruitment of Sheriff, that and that is a podcast of its own. Oh my God, I would love to be able to find out more about that. But look, the thing is, it maybe helps Sheriff a lot. Uh, their geographical location, I think, maybe really helps the club a lot as well. Because despite being run at a massive loss, especially for a long time now in the past, UEFA's never seemed to have any issues with them with financial fair play. I don't know why UEFA would care about a club like Sheriff until they make it to the Champions League and people start to say, well, this is shady, right? So basically, once they reduced the quotas for homegrown players, they started figuring out how can we get foreign players in that are actually going to take us to the next level. And that's what they did. They put together a team, 19 different nationalities in this current squad from all over the place. These are misfits. These are journeymen. But most importantly... These are dreamers. These are footballers who are dreamers. I mean, listen, this Captain Frank Castaneda, he's from Colombia. He was asked at the airport in Madrid after they won if the team was actually made up of professionals or if they all work other jobs or something. I mean, that's how low down on the scale people think Sheriff is and people think these players are. I mean, he sort of slightly bemused was like, yeah, we're all we're all paid pros like this is our job this is what we do um and and that that question i think is such an interesting one when we think about why do we ask that about this team why is it that these guys must they must be carpenters they must be bakers on the side they must drive trucks no these guys play and it's very clear that the decision to bring in pros uh who who really want to advance their careers and make it in some way they're going to be your best bet. These are the hungry, hungry people who want to make it in some way over the course of their career. So 
how they made it to the Champions League group stage, pretty incredible. It's a long road. They had to beat FC Teuta, who are a club from Albania in the first round. They beat them 5-0 in aggregate, nice and easy. They had to play against FC Alashkert, who are from Armenia. They beat them 4-1. And then round uh, in round two and then round three, they drew Red Star Belgrade. And this is where it's like, okay, this is the hurdle that normally they used to fall down in the past. They won this one 2-1 in aggregate. And then they had one final playoff round to go. They had to draw, draw uh, the mighty Dinamo Zagreb, right? This is that Dinamo Zagreb is the academy that has yielded all these Croatian stars that we talk about, right? This is this is that club. And FC Tiras and uh, FC Sheriff, they went ahead and beat them 3-0 at home, went away, drew nil-nil to clear this hurdle that they'd never gotten by. To then get started in the competition of the Champions League proper and beat Shakhtar Donetsk, your neighbors from right over the border in Ukraine, that's amazing. But then they followed up with a win 2-1 in the Bernabeu on Tuesday. And on top of that, it's a last-minute screamer from Sebastian Till. Um, top top left corner, left-footed half volley slice. I mean, it's, it's the goal of your dreams if you're a player. This guy is on loan from Progre near, near de Korn, um in his home country of Luxembourg. Funny, right? Progre near de Korn. This is a, a half French, half German name. Very typical for Luxembourg. Uh, he, he's on loan from this club in his own country. Giorgios um, Anthans, Anthanasiadis, the goalkeeper, he's on loan from AEK Athens. The other goal, the goal scorer of the first of the header, Yasurbek uh, Yakshiboev, he is Uzbeki and um, I, on loan from Legia Warsaw, right? This whole team got to experience, those guys and this whole team, they got to experience something. A 2 1 win in the Bernabeu in the Champions League. This is something that for the rest of their lives, this is what makes this whole career, all the sacrifice, all the time, all the pain, all the moving from your home country to an unrecognized region in Moldova. The sacrifice, the changes in your life you have to make, and the passion for the sport you have to have to keep on going and eventually get this opportunity, all of that is worth it in 90 minutes when it goes like this. I mean, they'll be able to tell friends, families, and everything forever. And Sebastian Till, he has this tattoo on his calf that we saw i'm sure, sure if you've paid attention to social media you've seen this circulate he's got a, a tattoo on his calf similar to raheem sterling's where he's you know got his he's standing in front of wembley this guy's dreaming of the champions league and is on his tattoo well i mean the dream has come true in the most wild of ways i don't think he could have I, never would he have decided yeah you know i'll dream also about scoring the game winner in that fashion absolutely astounding and this is why this is why it's an amazing fairy tale, right? Um, Dirk Kout, Coit, whatever you want to call him, had some choice words about all this, saying that basically teams like Sheriff, they just don't really belong in the competition. Um, bro, Mr. Dirk, are you all of a sudden, like, close buddies with Florentino Perez? Are you one of the guys that wants the European Super League to be a thing? Part of what makes the Champions League so much fun is when you get a rando team that comes in and kind of pisses in the punch bowl a little bit. Super fun. It's great. And what Sheriff are doing, 
more than anything. And this is why I hate when people say that we sh- no one cares about these small teams. I am currently doing an episode about this club, about this region. And just by reading up on this, I have learned an immense amount of things and have added a place on, you know, on the map that would be kind of interesting to go. I mean, to go visit. And I, I just, I just find it really, really frustrating. The problem that, that the, is that these Western European journalists and a lot of these, a lot of American soccer fans, and a lot of Western European soccer fans, they're trying to play this down uh, and play down the romant, the football romanticism side of it because of moral issues and human rights and social justice things. Look, I understand, but at the same time, the players that are on that field, the coach, the the, the fans of the team, they have nothing to do with any of that stuff. If you have an issue with Victor Gusan, uh, then yeah, you have an issue with Victor Gusan. If you don't like that this territory, this region kind of has a mafia feel to it, well, ask yourself, why did it get there? And this is why I think the history is so important, Right. You, you can't just forget the fact that this is a small region that is ethnically different. They don't consider themselves Moldovans. A lot of them don't. But a lot of them consider themselves Ukrainians. A lot of them consider themselves Russians. It's one of those zones that is just kind of difficult to decide what it is. And that's why it's been in this political limbo for so long. To me, the thing that's sad is, are we going to, like, cancel FC Sheriff because we don't like the unsavory people in their background? Look, I'm a Chelsea fan, but Roman Abramovich is one of those people who uh, profited a lot from the fall of the Soviet Union, and we can't be really sure of how shady or non-shady some of that stuff was. Look at all the owners around. There's so many that you could find something objectionable about. What I think is fascinating here is this is a not just a club that is punching above its weight. Think about the players, these individuals. Like I said earlier, these are misfits, journeymen, but they're dreamers. And for them to get to this place, for them to get to to this level and stage of their careers, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a fascinating story. So anyone who wants to continue this, well, Sheriff, I mean, I know it's a great story, but it's also kind of bad at the same time. Stop with that. Stop with that. There's no reason to try and moralize this. Look at it for what it is. Enjoy the football. Respect the players. And look, if you have an issue with Transnistria, take it up with Transnistria. Go there and see what you think about the place. Don't say that a team like Sheriff should not be in the competition or should not be around. I'm so glad they're in the party. And look, it's super fun to be able to say new Sheriff in town, all that stuff. I mean, it's fascinating to see a club like this in here. You tell me if Lincoln Red Imps were to make it this far and get into the competition, everyone would be down with Lincoln Red Imps. Everyone's already super interested in young boys because, I mean, there is something fascinating about these weirdly named clubs from small leagues and small countries that can come in and make an upset and make a splash. That's what football's about. This is why we didn't want the European Super League. This story right here. Again, The reason I find it valuable, I learned a ton about an area of the world I didn't know almost anything about. And I learned a history of a people, an ethnicity, a club, a region that isn't as simple as we think. This is not just some gun-running weird land where cartels run the whole thing. Some people may make it out like that to you, but that's not what this is. Take a look at photos. Literally, go online, type in photos of Transnistria. You'll see 
a normal looking country, a normal looking society with beautiful Soviet style architecture. I just think this is a very fascinating story. Please do not get roped into any of the negative stuff about this. If anything, get interested. Research and learn more about all these weird regions in Eastern Europe. There's a ton, all right? I I, I just I love the fact that this is a football story, but it's also so much more. This is what gets me most excited uh, f- for these episodes. And who knows, maybe in the future we can talk to someone from this club. That would be that would be awesome. So yeah, enjoy continue to enjoy the ride here for Sheriff. I, I hopefully my hope is that they do make it to the next round. Then again, I also like Inter, but I mean, it's a tough group they're in. They could do it. It would be fascinating. And watching their home games as well, I think is going to be really, really cool because of that stadium. So I hope you enjoyed this little recap, this little brief history of FC Sheriff Tiraspol. If you didn't really want to go and do the research like I did, I I hope I was able to give you sort of a narrative and and a storyline and also the sides of the story that matter because there are some people coming out there saying that this is just a shady club in a shady country. And I just don't think that's fair. So enjoy your weekend, everyone. Take it easy and uh, enjoy all the football. 